Episode 7 Peering into the oven's dark recess, she pictured a person whom she had actually never seen, a gentle monster whose eyes glowed from terrible sorrow. Hunter was the proprietor of the missing link, Kyle's favorite bar, and a real Vietnam vet. Kyle had said he was covered in tattoos, names of fallen comrades and places where unspeakable slaughters had taken place. He also said Hunter was an agoraphobe who never went outside. He lived in a small apartment over the bar, and the regulars, like Kyle, did errands for him and brought him food. On certain nights, when Kyle stayed late at the link, Jackie used to rouse Katie from her slumber, buckle her into the back seat, and drive to the bar. She would park in the lot and take Katie by the hand. The plan was to lead the cute five-year-old inside to shame her father into coming home. Jackie had even coached Katie to say, "'Please come home, Daddy,' in a voice cobwebbed with sleep." But each time she faltered at the edge of the parking lot. As Jackie heard the music inside, the cheer as someone raised a toast, she felt she had no right, nor any desire, to tell Kyle to leave. She wanted, rather, to come in, to become a member of Hunter's kindly crew. Yet one could not simply barge into someone else's world and ask to join it. That sort of thing had to arise naturally, and for Jackie it never did. So, to Katie's relief, she'd eventually halted these midnight forays. Instead, on those late nights, she lay alone in bed, telling herself she was helping Hunter by letting Kyle stay at the link with him. Jackie now knew what she must do, which was to stop making everything so complicated. She should simply do something nice for Hunter, regardless of what he thought of her. She decided to make him macaroni and cheese, from Kyle's mother's recipe, not a box, as had shamefully become her habit. Jackie put on her rain suit and Nikes and ran to Vaughn's, and then ran back with the bag of ingredients banging a bruise into her thigh. She grated mounds of cheese with her right bicep bulging, and drizzled in two sticks of butter. Inspired, she stirred in chunks of last night's honey-baked ham. With unbearable anticipation, she watched through the oven window as the offering bubbled and browned. Saving out two servings for Katie and Kyle, and a smaller one for herself, she scooped the gurgling mass into a Tupperware bowl. Steam engulfed her creation as she sealed it in and wrapped the bowl in a towel from the bathroom to keep it warm. In the garage, she found her old steel frame backpack, which she'd used approximately three times in the past ten years on family camping trips. She brushed off the cobwebs and shoved the bowl inside, zipped up her rain suit, retied her Nikes, and shouldered the pack. She set off her warm, heavy burden nudging her back. The lynx's white exterior made it blend in with the fog although the second story, where Hunter's apartment was, remained an oily dark brown. From a distance, the building seemed to float in midair. Inside, the bar was dark. The neon beer signs were turned off, and a cardboard sign in the corner of one window said, Closed. Jackie tried the door, which was edged with studs, and locked. She cupped her hands against the window and looked in. A faint light came from behind the bar. Bottles glowed against the mirror. Overturned chairs sat on tabletops. She returned to the door and knocked. Above her, a window squeaked. "'Who's that?' said a deep voice. Jackie looked up but could see nothing through the window. Scraps of fog swirled in front of it. "'It's Jackie, Kyle Majeski's wife.' "'Oh, hey.' "'Yes, well, hey to you, too.' Talking to Hunter always made Jackie nervous. Although she had never met him face to face, she had experienced such awkward exchanges on the phone several times over the years, trying to reach Kyle for some minor emergency or other. Hunter was not a forthcoming conversationalist. Plus, Jackie feared she might accidentally cause him to have a flashback. You never knew what could trigger one, a completely innocent word like tree, maybe, or fire. Hunter spoke no further. 
Through the small of her back, Jackie felt the macaroni and cheese cooling. I, um, brought you something, she said. Something to eat? What did she think he was, retarded? Mac and cheese, she said. With ham. Thanks, he said. Jackie waited for him to come down and let her in, but he didn't. She stepped back and peered up at the window, but still saw nothing. Where had Hunter gone? Did he think that her bringing him mac and cheese suddenly out of the blue was weird? Yes, it was weird, horribly so. What was she doing here? Hunter did not know Jackie from Eve. The mac and cheese had gone stone cold. I'll just leave it outside here, she shouted up at the window. Jackie set the Tupperware bowl on the pavement and rewrapped the towel. She whispered, You'll be all right. Tears formed in the back of her throat. Don't forget, she shouted again. Despair swamped her. She could not understand why. What had she lost? A bowl, a towel, some cheap ingredients, and a few hours of her time. Hunter did not want her food. So what? It wasn't the first time something like this had happened, people not wanting what she tried to give them. She would soon experience this again in spades, what with Christmas coming up and all. But that was just it. Day in and day out, she offered, and others refused. Of course, she was not the only one, far from it. Hadn't protesters spat on the vets when they came back from Vietnam? Didn't frustrated men beat their dogs to death for wanting nothing more than love from them? Weren't farm workers poisoned by pesticides and women burned to death in locked sweatshops? Didn't children die of cancer while murderers lived long, happy lives? And wasn't nuclear war still just around the corner, once the seemingly amiable Gorbachev revealed his true colors and pushed the button? In the missing link's empty parking lot, the awfulness of the whole world yawned before Jackie. All of human history was sadness and wild cruelty. She could not bear to live. She ran harder and faster than she had ever run. She had to save her child from her vision, but it was too late. The child had seen it through her eyes. Shock spread outward from her belly. Jackie ran down an alley, leapt over a concrete barrier, raced the water from yesterday's storm as it poured over trash-choked gutters. She passed the Chinese dentist's office and the vacuum cleaner repair shop. She recognized these places, but where they were in relation to her home or where she had just come from, she could not fathom. She had broken the grid of Morton streets, defaced it with shortcuts and diagonals she would never have considered using before. The grid was her lifeline. It had saved her from having to pay attention to where she was while she lost herself in the bliss of running. She had only to turn left, left, right, right, etc., up to the Chevron station on the corner of Napier and Grove. She repeated the pattern in the opposite direction and found herself back home. This process had been automated months ago. She stopped at a corner and tried to find a street sign. The fog closed around her. She checked her watch. Katie would be home from school by now. Jackie was going to have to find a phone booth and call Kyle to come and get her. But the thought of doing that was too dreadful. It meant saying out loud what she now knew to be true. She did not even know her own town, the place where she had lived all her life. Wherever she was, she was a stranger.